0: Welcome to Powin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Howard, and with me from Uppercut is our very own editor-in-chief, Ty Galiz-Rowe. Ty, how are you?
1: Hello. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I feel like every time you introduce me on a podcast, I just sound like I forgot that I was on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like every time pans. I do like
0: the, oh, I didn't see you there um it pans over to you and it's just like <laughs> raccoon outside with the glowy eyes that's me
1: that's <laughs> truly me because um, yeah anyway hey um
0: goatee goatee time this is our this is our goatee episode um which is like always momentous for uppercut because i feel like we're so like we're so edgy shut the fuck up this is the this is the one time of year where we can form <laughs> uh okay, but no let's let's introduce the rest of the rest of the crew. um we have one Kayla Joette with us today, Kayla, how are you? Hi, I'm living life, doing the thing, you yeah. know, out here, yeah down down in New Orleans,
2: yeah, that's me. Riding my crocodile to work down Bourbon Street, drinking a hand grenade. Kayla, I don't think
1: crocodiles live in New Orleans. I think
2: it's. No, they don't. It's, it's, alligators. it's alligators. I was <laughs> trying to be dumb, and it
0: worked. Uh, <laughs> it turns out Kayla does not live in Louisiana. Uh, Kayla actually lives in Egypt, where there are crocodiles. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Actually, <laughs> Kayla is an Egyptian prince who has come to uh to get money from us for hey, a savings account. It
1: turns out that Uppercut <laughs> is
0: experiencing what someone call a mummy's curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um. Anyway, we also have Andrew with us. Hi, Andrew Cogswell. How are you today?
3: I never get anxiety like getting ready to record a podcast. Like ever. Like I am. <laughs> I am very confident uh, in like just being a white dude talking. Um <laughs> shocker. You're about no, to get no, hold kicked on. No, but hold on. Room. But there's a huge butt. Okay.
0: I it's have a some huge s- butt.
3: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not mine. Mine's a little. Um <laughs> I have some serious PTSD for this episode because of game of the decade from last year. Let's talk about Looks <laughs> Very absolutely bad. not like i am like i am actually like very stressed and anxious about this even though i know it's not it's gonna go way better than that did i'm still it, just it's also like, like, not poorly. the same
1: format
0: at all
3: <laughs> no i know I, we're I not know, like fighting just, each other on this I know, one but just like the concept you know and like the time of year and
0: you act like we beat the fuck out of you last year
3: <laughs> it felt like it
0: <laughs> i'm sorry Andrew, that,
1: you uh, also American act like you City. were the only one who was hurt by that no, one, no, I'm not saying no, that. No I'm one not was that. happy at the
3: end. Stop.
1: <laughs> Let me talk what about my feelings.
3: Be? My feelings are valid. Let me talk about how I feel. You
1: get Fuck no you. feelings.
2: This isn't therapy, Grow Andrew. up. You don't get feelings.
3: <laughs> you guys are all bad allies. <laughs> Every allies someone. to whom? To the what? The white man? <laughs> I, fucking, I already oh hate this. God. Can I just do mine and leave? Uh, um, you are <laughs> no. the oppressor, Andrew. <laughs> I <Like>, have <laughs> done nothing but love all of you. And you
0: have done nothing but hijack the podcast and make it all about, to make it all about you right now. So <sighs> I That's feel like I'm about to be gaslit. I'm
3: like, telling you on. how I'm doing. God, I'm just answering the fucking prompt. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> Anyways, this is not a podcast about Andrew's trauma. <laughs>
3: That was last year. <laughs>
0: that was last year. Um, this is a podcast about the games that we loved this year. And we are not uh, sticking to really any set structure. We're not, like, going in order of our favorites. We're not, like, picking, you know, categories and saying, oh, this is the best music, this is the best blah, blah, blah. Um, we're just we're just kind of having a roundtable discussion.
3: Vibing, if we're you We're
0: vibing. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. Where where do we want to start, y'all? What game do we want to talk about?
3: Yakuza like a Dragon.
2: We we should probably talk about like the ones that we have in common, I feel like. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, not. That's
0: so I was thinking because all of us have played this game and it's Game of the Year at several sites. It's Andrew's Game of the Year. It's my second favorite game. Um we should talk about Hades. We should fucking awesome game. I feel like
2: we've talked about Hades so much too. (laughs)
0: Yeah yeah we definitely have um because I feel like um it's it's the great unifier at Uppercut.
3: Yeah it is I mean it is literally the only game that all four of us liked from this year. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Uh.
2: No we all liked Animal Crossing right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Liked is a very strong word for me.
0: It was like
3: it was, it was fine. Andrew
0: said, fuck those little animals.
3: I'm just not a I big feel, Animal Crossing person. I feel like, like Animal just Crossing,
0: my...
1: like, served a purpose for me, and now I'm done with it.
3: Same. Like, my sisters asked me, like, are you ever gonna play again? Like, absolutely not. But I do it nicer than that because it disappoints her. I say probably not. <laughs> but the real answer is absolutely not.
0: Mm. I think it's a cute game. I, I really mean, like it. Yeah,
3: it is. It's cute. I just, I don't, I don't love it like I love Hades. I feel like we all at least, like really enjoyed Hades
0: yeah and why did we enjoy Hades everyone let's let's delve into that maybe the sexy sexy
2: sexy characters
0: I thought like I thought at first you were just gonna say sexy and I was like yeah just sexy the it's game just... makes me feel sexy it's
3: like a nice piece of lingerie
0: yeah.
2: Shut that's up. how Hades makes me feel. The the Hades stays <laughs>
0: on during sex. Exactly. Um, let me just like grab that uh what's what's the thing from the uh ring fit adventure I, I refu- that's that's on your thigh. Like win, like, it's like a sexy garter belt.
1: <laughs> <Jesus>.
0: <laughs> that's actually if I were to get married uh past the release of the ring fit, that would be what the groom removes with his teeth, right? Is like it's just the ring fit strap. I <laughs> um I with, for Hades
2: for me. <laughs> I have never liked a roguelike before. Ever. Mm. And mm. this game I couldn't put down. It was so much fun. I feel mm. like it didn't feel exhausting to play. Like I play those I play roguelikes and I get annoyed so easily. And then I'm just mm. like, why do people like this? Like, this sucks. But like well, Hades I felt like th- like the new and fresh dialogue every time you mm-hmm. you came back to like the little hangout area like and talking to all the people and like meeting new people and like it was just it was great it was fun it was refreshing. I liked it
0: it doesn't feel like grueling or punishing there's yeah. enough motivation there to to keep you engaged
3: it, the it stages also on. aren't
1: super fucking long, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: the stages aren't long and like the big thing with roguelites, because, like, I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm with Kayla on this, like, I I enjoy roguelites, like, here and there, but I've never been particularly good at them, and I fall off them quick because of that, but, like, one, I feel like I'm good at Hades, and two, with roguelites, it's all about, like, getting to the next step, like, physically in the level, whereas Hades, it's equal parts that and, like, getting to the next step of the story, um, and roguelites tend to be pretty light on story. So having something that is kind of driving you outside of just physical progression is really refreshing.
0: Mm-hmm. And sexy. And sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a lingerie. <laughs> um, yeah, I also, I. I really do. I know that, I don't know. So the story in Hades is really good. Um it's not something it's not as prominent as in some games the story. Um I feel like even though the story is really good, gameplay is first in that game. Um but I do think it's really endearing. I cried at the end or I guess like well the the end end, not like the first run, like the uh the 10th one whenever you you hear uh, in the blood and stuff and you you return to Tartarus. The credits roll. Yeah. yeah. That one, that one, It's a, it's a really good moment. Um,
3: Still haven't gotten to that moment. Oh, you haven't? I'm yeah. Short. Oh, oh my gosh. Damn, I... Andrew,
0: even I've done it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think that game is really touching. Um, the music's phenomenal. The art in that game is fantastic. I really like the characters. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, Kayla and Andrew said it. I think that it pushes roguelites in a direction that makes them more accessible Mm
3: -hmm. and having stuff like god mode and stuff like that also Mm -hmm. makes it way more accessible because that that is one of the things about roguelites is like they can be just so punishing and uncompromising and Hades is like no dude if you're here for the story and just like to vibe you can yeah which is nice
0: and it's nice that it's not just an immediate like switch it's not just immediately easy Mm -hmm. it like it's gradual exactly it's Mm -hmm. like okay you you know you're struggling a little bit more here we're gonna knock it down like it's Mm -hmm. not just this like okay story mode nothing hurts you you're good yeah you still get that feeling of challenge
3: yeah for sure
0: but yeah that was my um my second favorite game of the year
3: what was your first, Jessica?
0: <gasps> my first was Final Fantasy VII Remake.
3: Surprising, absolutely no one.
0: Yeah, um, that sounded so scripted. It <laughs> it wasn't. It was just Andrew, like
3: being a fucking nerd.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, no, Final Fantasy VII Remake is is my game of the year, um, and I feel like it just has to be because I love Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> the
3: brand.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, Kayla, did you ever end up playing it?
2: I did I didn't finish it though Um, I liked it I just like it I guess it wasn't for me in the set like I didn't play the original so like I didn't have that nostalgia so like Mm -hmm. I didn't feel compelled to keep playing it so like I I can see myself going back to it life's just like been crazy but Mm -hmm. I my backlog has just been like piling up at this point Um, but yeah I didn't have the nostalgia so I wasn't like oh yeah this game's great you know
0: yeah, for sure. And, Andrew, I know you did play
3: it. Yeah, I, I honestly... I don't remember the last time Jess and I were, like... Like, where we, like, double-screened a game. Whereas, like, I brought in a different monitor <laughs> yeah. and a different PS4, and we both played it at the same time. Um, I don't remember the last time we did that, but we both we did that for Final Fantasy VII, and it was very good. Like, I don't... When people talk about best narrative for uh, Game of the Year this year, I feel like... Um, Final Fantasy VII is kind of getting shafted in that regard, because, yeah, it's a a remake, but it does so many different things in the original, and it pulls them off spectacularly, where it could have absolutely fucked up, and I don't think it gets enough credit for that.
0: Well, and I feel like the new, like without spoiling anything, because these games are all new games. I'm not going to, I mean, relatively new. I feel like if it's within a year, it's not right to be like, we're going to talk game of the year and I'm going to spoil every game for for you. Um, But no, like the new stuff that they do towards the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake that set it apart from the the original one and make it to where this game is not just a remake, it is
3: a reimagining.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. You have to kind of beat that game to understand exactly what I'm saying. It's some real Kingdom Hearts shit. Yeah, you
1: know? which is actually um, terrible because <laughs> of what's going on with Kingdom Hearts. But that's a different conversation.
3: I don't know what's happening with Kingdom Hearts. I'll so. tell you Either. about it later. Please. <laughs> on um, the next episode of Palin Around,
0: <laughs> it's just talking about Kingdom Hearts. It's just no, me explaining what bullshit is going on with Remind.
3: <laughs> oh no. Oh god. I can't wait for this text. Anyway. But
0: no, so Final Fantasy 7 does some weird stuff at the end, but narratively, it's it's just it's very interesting. It was like a very cool way to go about like I don't know. Like like so here's the thing. I read the ending first before I even got to it because I Why? had feelings about Final Fantasy 7 um remake. And I read it, I was super pissed off.
3: You were so mad. I was so you mad. Were crying.
0: Well, no, I wasn't crying at that point. You, okay. No, I wasn't. I cried. I cried when I first started the game. Um, but then I read that like a few days later. I wasn't crying then, I was just pissed off. I was irritated. I was like, I can't believe they did this. Um and then I I thought about it for about five minutes and I was like, Holy shit, that's brilliant. Like that's like the perfect way to do this and it was I don't know. It's it's something that's very clever and I feel like you're right, it doesn't get enough credit.
3: I'm excited for the next one. Like it's easily one of my most anticipated games. Uh, I, whenever it comes out, like I don't care.
0: I I want to cry. I just I just want to play it. <laughs> I want to play it so bad. I know. Um, but yeah, Ty. You know, I, Ty. I feel like you would maybe enjoy that game.
3: To be I honest. want
1: to play it, but I want to play Final Fantasy the original one. Yeah. But before I do that, I have to finish nine. So.
3: Goddamn right.
1: I. So- just Andrew, I tell Andrew I am going to keep my word to you, even if it takes me the rest of our lives.
3: You know what? That's a commitment better than marriage, and I respect it. Well. <laughs> to have and to hold for the rest of our lives.
2: Anyway,
3: As
1: I drag my way through Final Fantasy now.
0: I think that we should move on to another game with a very compelling narrative that I feel like Kayla is going to want to really talk about. And oh, God.
2: Um, anybody, no, I think we should talk about the last of us too. I don't want to, cause I don't want everybody to yell at me. I, Kayla. I'm not going to yell I, at you. I will,
3: I will say this before we jump into this. Cause Kayla, you and I have not talked about this game recently. The farther I get away from that game, the more I appreciate what it did. I still don't think it did it perfectly. I th- still think it has a lot of flaws but I appreciate it more than I did when I first played it.
2: You know what else has a lot of flaws? Me? Me. Aw, look at us. Both there's of a us.
3: flawed people.
2: We're flawed, and like, I was going to say something profound, but nothing was really coming out. So I was um, going to
0: say, you're, you're getting a <laughs> bit meta there. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I love The Last of Us 2 with all, like, you know, there's a lot of good shit and bad shit and um I don't know I it's been a really long time since I sat down and played a game and turned off all the lights and like really immersed myself in it and didn't want to stop playing and felt so many things like I probably cried like 10 times and it wasn't in like a like it didn't feel like a gotcha way like it just felt really emotional um and I loved connecting with the characters. I fell in love with Dina. Like, I I fell in love with Abby. I thought they were all really great. And um, yeah, I don't know. The narrative was, was really nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't like, I mean, we're not going to spoil shit. And I'm sure a lot of people play this game. And we do have a spoiler cast on it. Um, but I think... We do? yeah we do um i think one of my favorite pieces that i read this year was natalie flores's piece on the last two about it being a game truly about love and yeah that's just how i feel about it i i think it's just a really great game that made me feel a lot of things and i still think about that and i would like to revisit it but um you know i don't know if i can put myself in that place right now <laughs> so yeah. yeah narratively it was beautiful that was that's my game of the year
0: i will say i um i've watched like andrew play parts of it i've started the game i'm like a couple hours into it um and i don't know i've I've been an observer of sorts of the game and i do think that that game seems truly special like it it does like i and i'm really glad like i know exactly what you're talking about kayla as far as like you get older and it's so rare to like find games that like you actually like because you get so distracted right like you're like oh i feel guilty that i'm not doing this shit or like i you know what i mean like it's so easy to like not sit down with a game and just enjoy yourself so when you find that game where you can like grab a blanket and sit in the dark and you just like you just want to play it and like you wake up the next day and you're like man i can't wait to play that game like it's the best feeling Mm -hmm. um and so it's like awesome that you had that experience this year
3: something i I want to go ahead kayla
0: no i was just i was agreeing you're fine
3: okay something i want to add up to like the narrative um because i mean there's a lot there has been a lot of discussion like Ty, Kayla, and I talked about it, like, when the game came out, like, internally about how we felt about how that story progressed and stuff, and like I said earlier, like, the farther I've gotten away from it, the more I appreciate it, and, like, I've talked to a friend who, like, like my best friend really loved that game, and I was talking to him about it, and the problems I have with the pacing and the story, I realized I don't know how they could have fixed it, and, like... It it works, but like in a way I don't like, and I think that's just m- like a me thing, and like as a as a white dude, that's very hard for me to come to terms with. And maybe <laughs> hey, this just isn't a thing I like, and that's okay. Um, but like I don't know how it could have been better and still had the emotional like beats it did when it did. So it just it's a very difficult game for me to like wrap my head around, and I like that it challenges me in that way. Um, because I do think it has fundamental flaws with how it tells its story, but I can't imagine that story told a different way. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I think it's an interesting, like, thing for me personally in that regard.
0: Hmm. Ty, what did, because I know obviously you reviewed The Last of Us too, and so for full thoughts, you can check out Ty's review, but give us like the short and dirty Game of the Year podcast version. Um, I reread my review
1: recently, because somebody, like, tweeted it, and... That was me. Oh, it was Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Um, and I pretty much still agree with what I said then, like, there are parts of The Last of Us 2 that I found very, very interesting, and that, like, made my brain go burr, but, by and large, I did not like it. Um... I think it's incredibly unwieldy. Um, I think all of the pacing issues could have been fixed in a number of ways, mostly by cutting down Ellie's story significantly. Um, And it's, it's just like a very cynical take, which like isn't necessarily bad. I just don't think it's like interesting. It's kind of the same way I feel about Cyberpunk where I'm like, Like, the bleakness that you're looking for isn't as bleak as you think it is, because we're kind of already there. You know what I mean? And, like, Mm -hmm. The Last of Us, to be fair, is worse, because, you know, like, we're not quite at the, like, Seattle is a war zone. But, like, we kind of are. That did kind of happen this year. (laughs) So, like, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It feels... (sighs) It feels less impactful to me, I think, in the, because of those things. Um, mm. But there are parts of it that I really did like, find interesting, and like, you know, worth like worth talking about. And I really did enjoy Dina as a character, um, and like the moment with her and Ellie in the music store was very sweet. Um, by the mm-hmm.
0: time, by the time that this comes out. If it's not already, I can't remember honestly if we published the Last of Us Two letter yet.
1: It's coming out on Thursday.
0: Okay, so by the time this episode's up, um, the Last of Us Two letter for Uppercuts end of the year content uh, will have been published, and I I edited that piece and it's fantastic um, and really like it's it's about uh, Dina's Jewish heritage and about like the idea of being a survivor and how that's, that that kind of ties into the game as well. And um I, I really loved that piece, and so I'd recommend if you're somebody who loves The Last of Us too, and you're listening to this, um check out that piece. It was really good.
3: I'm really excited for that. I didn't know that was a piece because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, but the scene with Dina and Ellie in the synagogue for me was more impactful than any other scene they had, just because like you can like I Dina has heritage. She has a like no. she has a family, and like you don't really see that very often. And like. Ellie is genuinely curious and, like, you're exploring this holy, like, this holy place for her her family and, you know, and dealing with that after a global catastrophe and, like, how you hang on to faith and, like, the importance of it. Even, like, even if they don't, like, necessarily deep dive in there, it just makes you think about it, you know? Um, It was just really cool to see. I really, like, that stood out to me. I think Jessica was watching me play when I did that part. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I, like, I love this. This is great.
0: Well, like, and that's, so in my casual observation of The Last of Us 2, there are actually a couple scenes, like, there, I don't know, like, and that's the thing is, like, you, I have to give that game some credit because I literally would just be watching certain scenes and, like, I would start to choke up. And, like, I don't right. have the full context of this game. So, like, that scene made me choke up. There was another scene with Joel and Ellie at, like, a museum of sorts, right? And yes. they're talking about, like, a spaceship or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's something like that. And, like, that scene got me, too. Yeah. Like, there are all these scenes that feel so human and, like, the dialogue kudos to the dialogue because the dialogue is well written mm-hmm. like if they feel like two people actually talking like i can picture yeah. myself having this conversation with somebody
2: yeah. yeah so like before we move on right like i guess the question i have for ty and andrew is like when we talk about the pacing are are y'all criticizing like the flashbacks
1: like in the no. pacing, or I am. okay, because absolutely okay. Yes.
2: The so like filler, right? Because like, no, like I
1: felt my issue with the game. Sorry, Kayla, I interrupted you. No,
2: it's okay. I was just gonna say like the 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 flashbacks to me, I think were probably the most the most beneficial parts. Like when I think about the game, I think about the characters, the characters like emotional ties within each other and with with the game as a whole, and I think about those moments that they like bring us back to like throughout with Abby and um and Ellie's perspective and I I love that the game did that. So like I just want to hear your thoughts. So
1: my thing with the flashbacks is this game has like a fundamental fear of just like letting the quiet parts speak for themselves because like there's the one flashback right where you see um abby and her dad talking and they're like by a river and then at the end of this like the first part of this scene it pans up and you see that it's the fucking firefly hospital from the first game and so like if you have played the first game and like you know have a basic comprehension of what that fucking series is about you understand what that moment means and what it's foreshadowing and instead of cutting there and allowing you to like sink into the moment of like what is about to happen it then makes you go through the whole scene from the first game like six times and like Mm. it just does that over and over and over again and it's like i yeah get it like i understand what you're trying to do and like if you really think that you're telling such an incredible story, then let it fucking speak for itself. Because like yeah, yeah, don't no, I don't know if I agree like this.
2: I agree on that perspective, on Agreed. that yeah. flashback. And
3: my soul. I don't
2: know if they were trying to like which message they were trying to say if they were trying to be like, this was so bad like this thing that happened was terrible and there was all these consequences, or if it was like a PTSD message. Like I'm not sure where they were trying to go but it was so repetitive it just
1: felt like they were really trying to hammer home the whole like ellie and abby are two sides of the same coin thing which yeah. like i fundamentally disagree with um yeah i do too
3: um
1: like i just think like textually that's just not correct also mm-hmm. like the thing about the synagogue scene Is I think it's incredible for Dina, and I think it makes Ellie ring really, really hollow. Like, I think it just accentuates the fact that Ellie has no character outside of Joel. And, like, it's, that is, like, I just, nothing about Ellie fucking matters. Like So,
3: before we, real quick, I want to backtrack and kind of answer Kayla's question about the pacing. Uh, before we jump into the whole, if we jump into the whole problem with Ellie as a character. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, hold
2: this is another um, Last of Us 2 podcast, actually. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so my my problem, so to talk about the flashbacks really quick, I don't mind the flashbacks. I agree with Ty that like they, the quiet moments do not speak enough. They, or like, they don't let them speak. My other problem with him is sometimes they were used as a crutch. Like, for example, one that sticks out to me that is uh, Tommy teaching Ellie how to shoot a rifle um and use the scope and then like when you go back to present time it's like you have a rifle now here's a scope it's like that's a really shitty tutorial and that's what it felt like it felt like a shitty tutorial um and it felt like those kept happening conveniently when i needed to learn a new thing
1: yeah and it was also like really late in the game it's like i don't need to again like i don't need you to be holding my hand at this point
3: yeah um, my fundamental problem with the pacing is I am a firm believer in the idea that Ellie and Abby's stories being separated—how they were, where you play as Ellie for the first half, Abby for the last half, and then you go back to Ellie—was a mistake. It was bad. I, I firmly believe that those days should have been interchangeable. So, like, you play as Ellie day one in Seattle, Abby day one, uh, and bounce back and forth between the two I of them. I
2: disagree completely. See, I, I think it should have been a
0: sandwich i'm curious because so i started the last of us 2 yeah and then i got um wrapped into having to do cyberpunk shit sorry <laughs> um but i was actually really digging the last of us 2 when i started it mm-hmm. i'm only a couple hours in um like i'm starting like i think the day one with ellie yeah you you yeah. just got to seattle yeah so you're not even I, on day one yet god well
3: you just when you set up base then it starts day one
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I you Symphony just get ready in. for
1: a long fucking
0: ride, even though it's not <laughs> actually that long. I'm curious though, so like, cause I I'm gonna play this game and I'll get back to you, y'all, to, to you, y'all, <laughs> 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 to uh, y'all in like a few weeks or a week. I don't I don't know how long it'll take me, okay. and I'm curious to see how I feel about this.
3: So my big argument for, I know, Kayla, I know you disagree with me. Like we've talked about this before, like when the game came out. My big argument for it is you have that tense moment at the end of Ellie's thing and then it's like... And, like, and I it's love like, that. I, I loved, hate that. I, I love the
2: suspense. That. And I... No, I loved it. I loved the way that they split it up because I felt like... I just... It worked for me. It See, was... It was, was like... Being invested in Ellie and then I was like... They wanted you... To... To feel things. They wanted you to feel angry with Abby and they wanted you to not understand. And... Be uncomfortable, and but see, I liked is, that. Like, I liked that feeling.
3: For me, it, it kind of drove home, or it kind of accentuated what Ty said earlier about kind of feeling fisted on like their two mm-hmm. sides of the same coin. Um, I feel like if you had bounced between Ellie and Abby and like seen their journey and being like, both these people are fundamentally fucked up, and they both have a problem like with revenge and everything, like like everything that they have a problem with, like as characters. And when you get to the last scene with Ellie on day three, and then it rewinds, it sucks all the air out of that situation. All of it, completely.
2: I also, and like, I swear, we're moving on. I swear. I, I <laughs> we're going to talk about this game, and I don't want to anymore. But like, what I I loved about it so much is I feel like if it would have been sandwiched together, my brain wouldn't have been going like, oh, this is what, what's going on in the background right now. Like I wouldn't, I, when I played as Abby and I was going through the motions, I was like thinking about like the situation that was already happening that I played hours ago. And I don't feel like it would have been as effective in that sense.
1: The thing is my pitch for what they should have done is not that they should have alternated. It should have been day one, Ellie, all of Abby's days with cutscenes of Ellie's days two and three. Because you don't fucking do anything in day two and three with Ellie. Ellie. No. All you, you do is run yeah. around and kill people.
2: Team, team Abby.
1: You do not do <laughs> anything. I'm, I'm, so literally you I'm could just try sh- to play this. You could literally just show <laughs> the shit in cutscenes and then like yeah. do all of the stuff with Abby and then you would get to like I can't say that much because Jen's going to fucking play it. But they could elaborate on some of the world-building stuff that they were doing in Seattle that, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like, this felt really rushed. And, like, they could have elaborated way more on that. And they would have had more time because you wouldn't have had to be Ellie for fucking 15 hours crawling around the 75th gas station fucking murdering people. As one does.
3: Yeah, Hopefully not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we should move on though. We should. Okay. So we're going to Oh my you.
2: God. We should definitely move on. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> um, I love you. T- I love you all. I'm sorry, but I, I take a stance that this game is beautiful. And you're entitled to that.
0: I, I will you. text you about it, Kayla. Cause I feel like I will like it. I don't know. Well, I'll text you about it. Um, but anyway, we're going to move on. <laughs> um, we're going to actually channel the spirit of one Monty who is not on this podcast. Uh, and and I'm gonna let Andrew talk about it because he also played this game. But I think this was Monty's game of the year, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we're gonna talk about Yakuza Seven.
3: <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hello, it's Andrew and Monty, inhabiting Andrew's body. <laughs> Yakuza like a dragon fucking rules. Um, I, I, Ichiban as a character. So for those of you not familiar, like yakuza 0 through 6 all feature kiru as the main character and it's a like a street brawler and this time they're like nope it's about this new guy named ichiban who you've never met before and now it's a turn-based rpg and it just fucking works like for the most part it's a really competent rpg i have some problems with like the end game like fighting uh because i think it becomes kind of unbalanced but this is also their first rpg but like The story works. Ichiban is an incredible character. He's so lovable. He's probably my favorite character of the year um, by like a fucking landslide.
0: I also can weigh in on this one as an observer. (laughs) As an observer of games. Um, I watched a Twitch viewer (laughs) just in the chat. No, I think I actually am going to play Yakuza 7, too. You should. So I watched Andrew play, ba- like, the a lot of that game. A lot of that game. I played a lot of that game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I watched you play a very good chunk of that. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of the cutscenes. I missed stuff at the beginning. Yes. But towards the end of the game, I was really hyper-fixated on watching Andrew finish it. Um, but Ichiban, as a protagonist, like... I, I was watching the ending and I loved him. I absolutely <laughs> fell in love with him, even though I I was not playing the game. He seems like a very genuine, like like just like a good character. Like we need more of those types of characters. Um, he, he, and the game seemed fun.
3: He's fundamentally just like a good guy, but not like not corny to a fault. Like he would still beat the shit out of someone. Well, um, and
0: like. The thing about that game, too, is it's just so... It's so absolutely fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about that game is so campy and cheesy and, and like, just...
3: But in a way that, like, you it's, know, a, it's aware that it's yeah. doing that and, like, it's fully confident in what it's doing, not in a, like... Like, I know a lot of people who don't like anime. They have a problem with, like, the tropey, campy anime style. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this does stuff like that in such a confident way like hey this is what we're making this is what we're doing and like it just fucking works
0: it's a very like i love my family friendship is my power like we're like we're bros and like it's really cute it's it's definitely it's like that game said fuck toxic masculinity oh and i and i love that for it
3: (laughs) The, the other thing I will say, and, like, so, I played Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami, and Yakuza Like a Dragon all within the span of a month because I have a f- fucking problem and because I'm friends with Monty. Um, Yakuza games uh, are very much, like, not written, like, Western games, and it took me a while to kind of get over that hump, and I was talking to Monty about it, and it's because they're written kind of like telenovelas, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is all coming from Monty, and, like, we kind of talked about it.
1: I can confirm and, as well
3: yeah okay yeah i figured you could chime in there um and like the most buckshit wild stuff happens and it doesn't really like explain why or like have any build-up stuff just kind of happens and it's like drama but every emotional like story beat and plot point feels so incredibly earned despite that and the performances from the voice actors this is the first time a Yakuza game has had an English voice cast. They absolutely crushed it. Like Ichiban's final scene uh, before the credits roll is was incredible. Uh, and then there's also a moment at the end of chapter thirteen that was like very emotional. Um, but yeah, it earns all these emotional like moments. Even though some of the stuff in between might be a little messy, and I, I have a problem fundamentally with like the second act and how it's structured. Um, but it's still just, like, such a good game. It's fun, like, exploring the world, doing side missions. Just, I just got sucked into it. And, like, I finished it, and I'm still grinding stuff out.
0: And I feel like, once again, as an observer, (laughs) uh, I feel like that game had really emotional moments. Like, like I said, the ending drew me in. Like, Mm -hmm. I was watching very intently, like, all of the last, like, act of that game. Mm -hmm. Um... But it has these really emotional moments without being, like, bleak and dark and edgy. 100%. It's just tender. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, like, bad things happen. But, like, it doesn't feel like it's just trying to drain that from you. Like, it's, like, begging for you to, like, react. Yes. It's, like, it, I, and I really appreciate that.
3: No, that's that's a great point. Yeah, it's not, it's never dark for the sake of dark. Like, yeah, bad, like you said, bad things happen. But it's never, like, and then this person died because... We got to make the protagonist suffer. It's it's never like that, um, and it never even comes close to being like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess
0: that's the thing. Is like I feel like there are a lot of games where like they we use just suffering. About one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, there's a lot of games where like suffering is like
3: the motivator. Yeah, the yeah.
0: motivator, or like it, it's just like I don't know. It's just it it's a lot. You yeah. know, like not every game needs to be that.
3: No, like one like and they're like even the side stories like they're optimistic and hopeful and fucking weird um i don't like i tweeted this like as a kind of as a joke but like yakuza 7 might be game of the year just because it lets me have a chicken named omelet run a brothel <laughs> um and he's one of my best employees and he's also a summon. I can call him on my cell phone, and Omelette shows up and helps me in battle. Um, And, like, it's shit like that that is just so fucking weird. But, again, it does it so competently and confidently that it just fucking gels so well together. Um, And real quick, since we're talking about Yakuza, Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Kiwami, fantastic games. They're on Game Pass. Please fucking play them. Start with Zero. Um, I loved zero it's my favorite game um, that i played this year that wasn't from this year hands down um it's it's such an emotional ride and it does things so incredibly well um from a storytelling perspective and just how it ties characters together and it does what's funny is it does something very similar to the last of us part two where it has two playable protagonists but the pacing actually works um and this game was made years ago um but yeah i i'm now a full-fledged like yakuza fan i i'm taking a break after seven uh and then jumping into kwami 2 um just because i've played a lot of yakuza lately but like i cannot say enough good things about seven like there, there are some issues with like a little bit of the storytelling in act two and some of the rpg systems but overall it's a very very good game um and i'm very excited to see what they do next i cannot wait to hang out with ichiban more <laughs> I adore. this because yeah, stupid, stupid man.
0: He's going to be the protagonist for yes. a while. Yeah. Like yeah, which I, I saw the article the other day mm-hmm. where the voice actor said like yeah, I'm going to be doing this for yeah, a
3: while. He said you guys are going to be impl- are paying my bills for years to come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which like the confidence. Wanna, that's that's yeah. great. That's great.
3: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Yakuza like Dragon incredible. I know it's Monty's game of the year. Um, Monty and I have had multiple conversations about it over the last few weeks. Um, just God, what a fucking game.
0: And, uh, so we've, we've focused a lot on AAA games. Um, so I am now going to turn it over to Ty, because Ty, you have,
3: uh... cyberpunk, weird. <laughs> Shut
0: the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, you have a list of a lot of, a lot of indie titles. Um, shocker. So, shocker, right? Um, so I'm gonna let you pick maybe a couple of those to talk about right now Well,
1: actually no jess i'm gonna let you pick
0: you reading those titles (laughs) what do you want to hear about i want to hear about paradise killer that's what i want to hear about okay kayla also played some paradise killer right i did did you finish it i didn't finish
2: it i'm like such a bad game finisher this year
0: (laughs) Um. i have stuff to say about paradise killer wait did you play it jess i have stuff to say about it
1: okay that's (laughs) ominous Um, (laughs) Paradise Killer is arguably my game of the year. Um, I don't know. It's hard to decide because, like, this was a year where, like, the perfect band at a port came out. So, like, fuck me. (laughs) Um, but Paradise Killer is a, like, walking simulator, um, visual novel hybrid where you are solving a murder mystery, um, and you are, like, playing as this character named Lady Loves Dies who was exiled from the island that the game takes place on for uh, fucking up majorly. And, um, they bring her back because, like, this horrible murder has happened right when they're, like, moving islands. Um, and so they need someone to, like, figure it out and, like, get order reinstalled, essentially. Um, and so it's, like, very heavily influenced by, like, Danganronpa 2 and, um... Fuck, I can't remember the name of the other game right now. Fuck, 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 fuck. Kind of Ace Attorney, but there's another one that, of course, I can't fucking remember right now, and people are probably screaming mm-hmm. at me. Um, <laughs> but so like a lot of those like trial murder games, um, and you can tell like the the something that made me I think really really enjoy it was the fact that like you can so clearly see the like love letter written to and Rampa 2 specifically in Paradise Killer and mm-hmm. um Rampa is a franchise that I have a complicated relationship with because I really liked the first two games particularly 2 and then I fucking hated 3 a lot <laughs> like so much um so and that keeps happening to me so maybe it's me, maybe
0: I'm the problem, um, but.
3: I like how you just had a revelation mid podcast. Like,
0: <laughs> that's the best time to have
3: though. Is it? Is it the kids who are wrong? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> it's just like every time there's like a third, like the third installment of like a series I like. It's always like, oh, I don't really like this anymore now um i just picture like the toy story like
0: i don't want to play with you anymore
1: (laughs) that's literally like like a franchise releases third game ty just drops it
3: (laughs) what about kingdom hearts 3 didn't you like that it
1: was alright. okay i'm like very done with kingdom hearts now though you know what i mean like i don't i have no That's, that's
3: a separate text thread
1: Like, yeah, I just, like, like, literally, like, with this, with Dragon Age, with Danganronpa, it's, like, oh, I just, like, I don't want to continue anymore. But anyway, um, but Paradise Killer is very cool. It has, like, weird, vaguely eldritch, like, old god shit going on, and it's also just kind of about, like, this weird, like, sci-fi, vaguely god shit where, like, everyone kind of sucks, and you just have to, like... And it really, really wants... To court the idea of, like, the difference between, like, the truth and, like, facts. Um, and I think it does that with, like, probably mixed success, but I think it's a very interesting experiment. Um, also, Mm -hmm. it's visually very cool, I think. I like the aesthetic a lot. It's very, like, vaporwave and neon, but, like, kind of glitchy looking, Um, When you're walking around, because when you walk around the island, it's all in first person. Um, And the art is pretty, I think. And the characters are fun. And um, I thought it was very good. I liked it. Grace and I are writing
0: letters about it, so look out for that. I So here's the thing with Paradise Killer. (laughs) I really, really wanted to play the game. But, like, is there something, like... You guys can think of that inexplicably, inexplicably they can't talk, uh, inexplicably, <laughs> why can't I not fucking say that word? Inexplicably? Inexplicably. <laughs> okay. Uh, terrifies you. Like, fucking terrifies you.
3: Yeah, death in the dark. I
0: why? mean, there's, like, what? there's purposely specific. Oh, we're not just There's, like, specifically, like, very
1: bad vibes to that game.
0: Yeah, like, that's the thing. Okay, so, so, um. the tie like. You know how you play Persona 4 and you fucking hate how Persona 4 makes you feel? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's how I feel with Paradise Killer. Like that game just gives me the worst vibes. Like, no, you start and start off in that like that's correct. That is the right feel. Yes,
1: I I agree.
2: No,
0: because like, like the so whole... you start off in that like marble area with like the skulls on the wall mm-hmm. and all that gold mm-hmm. and it's like gaudy. Like being in that area made me feel like sick to my stomach. Yeah, like, no, there was that something is about it point. that was. And, like, and I get that that's the point, and, like, like, the game seems cool, like, I'm not gonna knock it, but, like, it's something that's so, like, disturbing to me that, like, I can't play it. Like, it Mm -hmm. freaks me out. Yeah, no, that's, like,
1: that's totally valid if it's, like, too much, but, like, it's very, very intentional, and if it is already bothering you, it's probably good to jump off now because it does get worse.
0: Yeah, it's like honestly, that game reminds me of nightmares that I have. Yeah, like it's it's very and it's like it
1: it's part of the way it it's it's a twofold thing at least. IMO, it's a twofold thing in that part of it is it's eliciting the very bad vibes of Danganronpa 2, and while still having like the very vibrant landscape, because it's really unsettling, like. The game is very, very bright and tropical, but then, like, you can just tell, like, shit is fucked up, even just from, like, the skull decor and stuff, because, like, you find out very quickly that the people on this island, like, are basically, like, semi-immortal servants to, like, old gods who want to cause, like, war and misery to, like, humanity. (laughs) Um. Yeah.
0: And so, like, the whole- Because, like, I don't usually mind, like, juxtaposition between, like, like bright and bubbly and fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I feel like that really works and I really dig it. But, like, that to me, there's just something about it that gets under my skin. And, like I said, I it think just feels like nightmares. For me, I
2: feel like it's the movement and I don't... Or, like, being in that, like, first-person The first-person, yeah. Like, it's, moving around in the game is very unsettling. I truly... <laughs> yes. I I
1: don't
0: know how to... Because neither of you have played Danganronpa 2, right? No. No, I've seen it. Like, I've seen Andrew play it. Like, I know what the, like, movement and stuff, like and, like, the, the pop-up people and stuff, but, like, and, like, I as, I see how it takes place after, I don't know, it's just there's something about the combo of, like, because in Danganronpa it doesn't bother me too much. Like, I can watch that and, like, well, you, I don't know. it's also, like, different, it's different playing it. Like, I used to, yeah. like, like, Danganronpa,
1: like, if I, like, at one point playing it too much actually did genuinely give me, like, really bad nightmares, Um, it's just like a different like like playing it is different but two there's like when you play two specifically because one is like you're in the school and it's just like very creepy right off the bat but two you're on like this beautiful tropical island and all of the characters Mm -hmm. are a lot more colorful and so like it does have that same exact energy and then like the way that you move around plus Paradise Killer makes it worse because like the aesthetic of the world when you're in first person is so, like, glitchy and, like, pixely and weird. It's, like, it's doing a lot. Like, it's very intentionally meant to be, like, creepy and unsettling and weird and, like... Yeah. But, like, also trying to, like, kind of cover that up to a degree or, like, not even cover it up, but it's just, like, normal to these people.
0: Yeah, it's it's just, like, this underlying current. It's not, like, yeah... No, it's, and, like, I, it seems like a cool game. I just, it's one of those things where I started it, and I was like, nope. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's fair. Like, if it's too much,
1: if it's too much for you, like, that's super, super valid.
0: It's, like, that shit, For it scares me more than, like, a Resident Evil game. Which is, like, wild. But, like, for me, I was, like, this is, like, just more unsettling. Like No, this it's is like really creepy. And that's why, like, again, yeah. like, if you are already uncomfortable, like, it's
1: probably best to not continue. Because there are some parts that are, like, they're not actually scary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the lead up to it is so just, like, you just, like, expect bad shit to happen. Um... Even though there's there's really not that much like active stuff that happens to you in that game. Lady Love Dies is actually very powerful in that game,
0: but there's always the feeling that something horrible is going to happen. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know. That game it just it seems wild. It was on a lot of people's like top lists and I don't know. I loved um, it. It has flaws. I also but I liked it a lot. I want to hear you talk about Iris and the Giant because I actually there's a few game like games on this list that you wrote that I didn't even hear you ever talk about. So that's one of them. I, I never heard you talk wow, about this game. Fake
3: friend.
1: So I think I Damn. I think I talked about Iris and the Giant like on an indie mixtape at the very beginning of the year. I got mm, this is okay. one of the first games I played this year. It was like Remind and then this. Um and it's like it's a uh, roguelike card. Almost a card game. Deck Builder, which is a card game, but anyway. Um, the fancy term for it. And so it's like, yeah, you do runs, and um, as you go, like, you collect cards, and then you have, you know, like, all, all the different cards and, like, moves and shit that you can do during uh, fights, and the whole premise is basically, like, um, the you play as, like, the, the main girl, Iris... And through, like, kind of these, like, hand-drawn flashbacks, you see that, like, she is, like, having problems at school and, like, feeling isolated and stuff like that. And, like, she doesn't talk to her dad, even though he's, like, trying to figure it out. And um, she's also really, really into Greek mythology. And so the game itself is kind of her, like, working through those feelings with... Like, her drawings of these, like, Greek myths and, like, the cards that she's making and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, like, as you're playing, the the runs themselves are, like, you are at the Temple of Sticks. Like, the F- chair on, or whatever the fuck his name is, like, drops you off. Um, and then you have to climb up to the top where there's this, like, giant who's sitting up there, uh, crying. And, um yeah and so you you just um you go through it and there's like different little interpretations of um greek myths it's mostly like kind of enemy stuff like minotaurs and like um gorgons and stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a very good 2020 really said it's
0: greek myth time
1: it really said greek myth time and it really (laughs) said like roguelike deck builder time um but so i've been eating very well but, um, I think it's a good, like, intro to those kinds of games, because, like, it's, it's a very competent deck builder, but it's also, like, pretty easy to, like, pick up. Um, and, too, it's interesting, because it is very much through the lens of a child, and it's, like, I don't, I, I, I know Jess knows, like, I'm not generally a fan of the, like, gamification of mental illness, But I think this game hits closer to how I would want to see it, just because, like, it's one, coming from the perspective of a child, and it, like, very much reads that way, as far as, like, it's never saying, like, oh, she has depression or anything like that, but it's just, like, her talking about, like, the way that she's feeling and, like, her interactions with, like, her classmates and stuff, and her dad. And then, too, like, even when you do get to the top, um, like... The problem is not solved, you know what I mean? It's just, like...
0: Yeah, it's not like, oh, and now you're better. Yeah,
1: it's, like, it's more of a revelation of, like, okay, like, here is a next step. And then, like, you also get, like, little um, imaginary friends, like, that you can unlock as you play through. Like, if you complete different, like, goals and challenges and stuff during um, your runs... And so, like, and you can equip them and they'll help you in different ways. And I think, like, it's probably kind of fucking corny, but, like, I do think that, like, deck builders and, like, deck builder roguelikes are, like, probably the closest you could get to mental illness journeys just because it's so much, like, yeah, here's the hand you're dealt this time. Good fucking luck. Like, try and yeah. see what happens. Maybe maybe you'll do really well this time. Maybe you fucking won't. Like, you know, there's a whole there's a whole thing about that. But yeah i don't know it's just a nice little game i like it
0: i like that i'll have to check it out it sounds really cool
2: is is that on
0: just peace okay that's what i was gonna ask that sounds pretty cool uh i'm gonna jump to another game that is all about greek mythology and i think i'm the only one here who's played it but oh no andrew you yeah you played it a bit too that's right yeah
3: yeah i just angrily pointed at myself you guys couldn't see that i want you all to
0: know (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, Andrew played it a bit too. Um, but Immortals, uh, Phoenix Rising, which came out a couple weeks before Cyberpunk did, right? Like
3: yeah, in November. Of November.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, so that game, I really, it wasn't on my radar at all until I did a preview of it back in like September or something like that. Um, and I thought it was super, super fun. Um, and I was, I was really excited to play it. The game came out. I ended up getting a code for it um, to do a review, and I really enjoyed my time with it. And I have talked to people about this this like since the game came out, I feel like there's just a lot of games that don't necessarily I don't know, there's, there's like this loss of emphasis on fun in mm-hmm. games. Um, there's, just, there's so many that are so, that take themselves so seriously. Um, and so Immortals for me was like a breath of fresh air because it is, it's, it's, it's very much Breath of the Wild with Greek mythology. Um, and it has writing that feels very like fable-ish. Um, and I don't know, it makes for, it's, it's like a solid B game, you know, it's not like, it's, it's not my game of the year, but it's definitely like in my top five because I just had such a fun time with it. Um, it's, it's silly, it's charming, um, it has, you know, it got me choked up at one point because the underlying message of the entire game is, you know, is as, as much as we wish that we could get rid of our flaws and kind of have a perfect world and be perfect people, um it just makes you really fucking boring. Um and your flaws are a huge part of of what you are and all of your flaws kind of have their perks to them as well. So, it was it was an endearing game. I really enjoyed it.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's it's very cute. Um I you got it like right around when i started playing yakuza yeah, i think um yeah. so i haven't put a ton of time into it i probably put like five hours in and yeah it's it's a fun game um i don't love breath of the wild i have made that very clear over the last three years um <laughs> but i find myself enjoying this more because there's an actual plot that is forced on you it's and, a
0: lot more guided for yeah sure, than instead of, of the just wild. like
3: hey here's 12 pieces of plot you don't ever have to interact with um yeah so i actually really i've I've enjoyed it quite a bit i think um i think it feels like a lot like assassin's creed 1 where like there's a lot of really cool ideas here i can't wait to see what they shape it into because assassin's creed 2 is incredible um so yeah i want to see them get away from their breath of the wild influences really make something that feels like their like their own as opposed to like a very clear uh I don't want to say knockoff because I I, I, like a clone. Yeah. Clone. Yeah. Yeah. Knockoff does it a disservice. Like it is a, it is a wholly unique game, but I would love to see it really find its own identity and kind of thrive in it. So I'm excited to see what they do next with it.
0: Yeah. To me, there are still, there's still enough differentiation, I guess, between the two. Um, Like, I think that the combat in Immortals is way more fun. Oh, and like the RPG elements that totally come from Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's by the same people who did Odyssey and there's like a, there's there's some overlap there. I feel like. I mean, you would know better than I do, but I feel like there's very obvious overlap. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's very much a. I mean, it feels like Assassin's Creed meets Breath of the Wild. Yeah, um, you climb stuff. You have a stamina bar, which is very much Breath of the Wild. You cl- try to climb one direction, your character goes in another direction. That's very much Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I had a really fun time with it. And then I'm also going to hit another game on my list that I believe, Ty, I'm like 99.9% certain you played it too. But you were talking about card games. And so I'm going to bring up Science of the Sojour- so- Sojourner. Can't fucking talk today. This is what happens when you do like five hours of podcasting in a day. Um, but yeah, I think you played that game, right, Ty? I did. We got a Cody code for it. Yeah, I was like 99.9% certain you did. Um, I did not play this game until the very end of the year. I, like, squeezed it in last minute, um, because I knew it was, like, a two-hour-long game. So I was like, I have no excuse not to play this. I've heard it's really good. Um, and so I played it, and I thought it was really, really, really interesting. It's so very cool. I wish I had spent more time with it. It's, I like the fact that, and we had a piece on the game on Uppercut. God, is it published yet? It literally came out, like, today yesterday yeah. Yeah. yesterday it
3: came out within the last 48 hours yeah
0: yeah and just talking about how like one of the great things about that game is it, it, you can't really you can't trick it you can't you can't make yourself win it every time you know what i mean like you have yeah. to you have to lose pieces of yourself as you as you leave home you have to you know what i mean i don't know it's it's just it's a very interesting mechanic that conveys what truly happens to you and your identity as you grow and as you change and as you, you know, leave places where you once lived. Um, It, I don't know. It's clever. It's, I, I love when any game has a mechanic to it or a gameplay element that like really feels like the emotion they want you to be feeling. It's, it's like, it's a
1: really, really cool idea for a deck builder because, like, you would not, I feel like, or at least, like, I personally probably never would have been, like, that's a really interesting genre to use as a way to, like, convey different methods of communication and growth, Mm -hmm. but it works so, so well at doing that and just, like, showing that it's not about winning and it is just, like, there are going to be times where, like, you're going to say the wrong thing or you're not going to have anything to say and like it's just really cool it's a cool game i wish i had spent more time with it i just didn't have time
0: when it was out yeah i conceptually yeah it's 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 very interesting. Like, I feel like it's, it's two hours long. I feel like it's fairly inexpensive. Like, I think I paid, like, 10 bucks for it or, or something, you know? Like, I feel like it's one of those games where I would recommend everybody play it. I think just it was to... also in the Itch uh, Black Lives Matter bundle. Oh, yeah, I think it was, too. And, yeah, it's, it's the type of game I would recommend everybody play it, just because, like I said, it's just, it's just a quick little game, and I think it makes you think about communication and identity, um, in an interesting way. And it's not this like goal oriented, like driven competitive type deck builder game. It's very much like it's a lesson in itself. So it's, it's a really cool game. Um, but anyway, (laughs) we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to, to let Andrew pick a game. Andrew, what do you want to talk about? I don't have a good segue for this.
3: That's fine. Um, I want to talk about Wasteland 3.
0: Okay.
3: um, Because I have not talked... I don't think with anyone about it. Yeah, I didn't Um, even know
1: you played that.
3: I did. I played about 10 hours of it in the span of a few days. Because I really got into it. And it's a very good game. With a giant asterisk next to it. Um, (laughs) It crashes a lot. uh, Or at least it did at launch. Um, So while I got really sucked into it, it got to the point where I was just like, I can't do this. I'll wait for them to patch it. And then I kind of bounced off of it. and I haven't gone back to it, but I really want to, because like, so it's a tactical RPG set in like a post-apocalyptic Colorado. Um,
1: My home. This,
3: yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's in Ty's backyard. Um, Literally. They filmed, and, um, <laughs> they filmed it here. Um, they filmed it here. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a, f- it's, I'm not much of a tactical RPG person, but it's very accessible and like, doesn't require you to be like an XCOM pro or anything like that. And just like the situations and characters are cool. It's, I believe it's made by the same people who made, originally made Fallout. Um, and it has big original Fallout vibes.
0: It That game seems exactly like old Fallout. Yeah. Which I think is super fucking cool because I loved Fallout 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, it's like a 2.5D thing right yeah. is that what it's called mm-hmm. where it's like at that corner angle mm-hmm. like that yeah um <laughs> i'm a games journalist <laughs> i know words uh no that game it looks really cool it
3: was a ton of fun and like you make the game by or you start the game by making two characters um and that's like your first you're, like you're starting a squad and then you recruit people as you go and like they all have very different skills and you don't want anyone to be like a jack of all trades because they will just get absolutely annihilated so you kind of have to pick who you want in your active party you can have up to four people um like for example there's animal handling as a skill and that lets you potentially recruit animal friends like i at one point i had a chicken i played a lot of games about chickens this year you Uh, truly
0: did was the chicken named omelet
3: it was not i don't remember its name It was a funny name though um yeah and like the chicken would fight with me and it was surprisingly effective it was great um, but I would not have been able to do that if one of my characters didn't have a good enough animal handling skill. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a very cool game. I, I want to play more of it. I, I, it's been patched quite a few times, so I want to jump back into it. I might actually do that tonight. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Wasteland 3 because like, it kind of came and went because it had so many problems with it at launch. Um, very much like a certain Polish game that just came out, but the difference is it didn't have eight years of hype behind it, so
0: womp womp <laughs> uh next person i'm gonna go to is
3: me again hi <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay i'm gonna are you you're in a rolly chair i'm about to push you away <laughs> uh no i'm gonna go to kayla for uh destiny 2 beyond light because kayla you you are <laughs> the world's biggest destiny fan I Um, squeezed
2: that guy guy on there so, like, five seconds ago. I was like, how did I forget to put this on this list?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I want to give you an opportunity to um, gush about the game because I know, I I love hearing you gush about it.
2: Okay, Um, yeah, I say this every year. Destiny's in a really great space right now. Um, Story-wise, it's doing really well. Content-wise, it's back in a space where like every week there's something new to do and it's not like i mean it's always going to be grindy it's destiny like you're always going to have to do the same kind of shit but like they are putting newer things in every week instead of like throwing it all at you at once um with the new way that they do like dlc it they, it's not dlc anymore it's very much like with every season that comes out there's new story but instead of it just being like here's a full-fleshed story you finish it all in a few hours and then you do your grindy stuff every week they they are really pushing it to where it's like you're constantly discovering new things um just like makes it more fun for people to get on and hang out with their friends also it's like it used to be so confusing sometimes to like level up because you were like I don't know what to do and do I do this first or this and there's a lot going on but you just like you can do anything now and you get power and it's really cool Um, it's season of the dawning right now so all the fun Christmas stuff and you can bake cookies Um, yeah it's fun it's a good time I always love Destiny I haven't gotten to play the new raid yet um just because i haven't really had time but i am i think i'm finally strong enough for it so maybe that'll be a a post christmas uh thing that i get into but it's it's great again i say this every year destiny's in a really good spot so if y'all want to play with me um come play with me i'm playing on ps4 and xbox if you need me to it's downloaded (laughs) um
0: i feel like destiny has good community management and upkeep oh yeah oh yeah. yeah
3: RIP Deej. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um how how are the ice powers? Cuz like isn't there a new class that yeah, like yeah stasis, yeah. right?
2: Wow, I didn't even talk about stasis. Um it's tech so it's ice, yes, but it's it's darkness. So you're wielding mm. the darkness, which is really mm. cool. Um there's only one darkness skill tree right now whereas like for the light you have void, you have solar and you have arc. Yeah. Um, so for the darkness you just have the one which i'm assuming over time we're gonna get more um but it feels really good i've only played as my hunter um i'm excited to try out the warlock because that one looks really cool but the the hunter's cool you uh have this cool super that you like throw out these like tornadoes basically at at enemies um stasis is really set up to not be like this like I'm going to hit you with this power and you're going to die. It's more of like you hit the enemies, they freeze up to where when you hit them next, it's like automatically a crit or it's like, it's like a setup to like basically help you play with other people and have other people like help you, you know, it's, it's cool. It's great. It's like
3: their first like foray into like almost a support class. Yeah. Or like yeah, like a debuff class, um, which I know they've had before with like grenades. Like oh, they light people on fire and do damage over time. But this is the first more. It sounds like it has more Pv uh, PvE like yeah. multiplayer in mind, rather than just uh, either PvP uh, Crucible or. I
2: will say PvP. Crucible feels really broken right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know how to utilize Stasis in Crucible, and I go in there and just feel crushed every time but um everything else feels good story content is is great right now um again i haven't done that raid but it's about the uh the deep stone the deep stone crypt the birthplace of the exo um it's pretty cool if you ask me
3: Um, i've heard i've heard the raid is great yeah
0: yeah Yeah. so so yeah it's nice to
2: check that out
0: Now, I'm gonna go from Kayla's baby to Ty's baby, um, or I guess, I don't know, mommy. She has more mommy vibes. Um, Let's talk Bayonetta.
1: (laughs) So, in the year of our Lord 2020, um, I got to review Bayonetta on the PS4, and it was incredible. uh, Because this year was Bayonetta's 10th anniversary, it was also Vanquish's 10th anniversary, so even though Nintendo now has the rights to Bayonetta, they let Sony slash Sega, I think, do a, like, uh, remaster bundle, or I don't know if it was a rem- whatever, they made it, like, prettier or whatever, and then, like, ported it, um, And it fucking owns, because Bayonetta fucking owns, and playing it on the PS4 is incredible. And I wish that they would do it for Bayonetta 2, but they won't.
0: I, you know, I don't know. Do you
1: think they won't? I think they won't, because Nintendo, like, actually own-owns Bayonetta 2.
0: Ah, okay.
3: Bayonetta 2 was a Wii U exclusive.
0: That's right. I totally forgot about that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which, what a bizarre choice for (laughs) Nintendo to be like, yeah, we want the naked hair witch, um, uh, that's who we want in our roster. It just seems like a very anti-Nintendo thing. Um, okay, but also, I've I'm...
1: seen Shulk. He, that man's not wearing a shirt.
3: Yeah, but you know that people treat women's bodies different than men's I bodies. I know, I'm
1: just saying. Nintendo seems to be, <laughs> like, willfully ignorant about how horny some of the things and other things are. Yeah.
3: yeah, remember when Bowsette was a thing?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And they had to come out and be like, no, it only works on Toad. <laughs>
0: the best too it's like just I'm having to come forward be like nope, nope I just
3: imagine like all mortified Miyamoto like somebody like pulls him into like a meeting like we need we need to talk
0: we look at this Bowser's big teeth <laughs> <Like>, yeah they- <laughs> and
3: he's just like
1: no also to be fair Andrew they have fucking Snake in Smash which S- yeah, Snake is basically true. banned then Buns
2: <laughs> Ooh, the, them buns! You know they nerfed I mean? the buns. They did.
0: Nerf they did. The buns. Yeah, they did
1: nerf the buns. But when you put Snake has a great ass. When you put ass, Snake though. in that leopard print skin, yeah, it, it's a lot. So it's
0: it's certainly a lot. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm gonna do here? I'm gonna. This is this is a weird segue, but it works. It works. Okay. Does it? Um, I'm gonna hit up the games that I played this year. That were not from this year, but I want to shout out. And it's just going to be a real quick shout out. It's just going to be a real quick. But one of them was Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. Hell Speaking yes, of snakes.
3: Let's go. That
0: game, <laughs> I fucking hated it for like the first hour <laughs> of that game because the controls are bullshit. Um, those games play terribly. <laughs> like, I, I love that. And you get used to it. You get used to it, but objectively, if you go back to that game and you start playing it, that game controls very poorly.
3: I played the whole game on Vita. I don't want to hear you complain.
0: Anyway, um, <laughs> but I absolutely love that game. It is batshit. Um, it is this this wild meta-narrative. Um, it It makes... It kind of makes sense... It kind of, I don't know. I'm I'm obsessed with that game. It is is very, very, very good. Um, There's something about it that just draws you into it. Um, It's kind of like Yakuza, and it's just like it owns this ridiculous bullshit. And um, I don't know. Maybe we just only play Japanese games from now on. So
3: one thing that you mentioned Yakuza with Metal Gear real quick. As I was playing Yakuza, I was like, wow, this is just if uh, this is just Metal Gear if Kojima didn't like Gundams. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because it's very much, yeah, it very much has that same feel. It you know, has the Gear, same like feeling, yeah. absolutely batshit wild, just without the Gundams and nano machines.
0: Which makes me think, I wonder how much Monty would actually maybe love Metal Gear if she played it. Probably, I think she would. Yeah, and then she truly would have reason to marry Hideo Kojima's son. <laughs> um. But anyway, the other games that I played that I really loved this year, I played Hyperlight Drifter and I played Katana Zero. Both of those games are colorful, God. fucking awesome. I love
2: Katana Zero. It's one of my favorite Katana
0: games, Zero's honestly. So it's so good. The soundtrack. I didn't know that you
2: played it. Yeah, I played it. Well, I played it first at PAX, like before it was released, and I remember. I think I talked about this on like one of the first episodes of Palin that I was on, but like, I felt so good about myself because. I would watch people go in and they would just, like, keep dying. And you only had, a, like, you only had, like, 20 minutes that you could play. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my – and you were playing on a big screen, like, in front of people. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to do so bad. And everybody around me is going to be like, oh, this gamer girl fucking sucks. But I crushed it. I, like, got as far as you could get in the 20 minutes. Like, I think I got all the way to the um, – the start of the sequence where they you're like at the nightclub and they have the lights that you have to oh, like hide behind yeah. and i i was like crushing it and i was like oh my god i cannot wait until this game comes out and i just thought about that game like every day until it came out basically um
0: that's another I game I love katana zero it's it's so good. I'm so glad you've played it because it is so good. And that's another game that almost feels like weirdly Metal Gear Solid. Um, and not even not even just because of the stealth aspect. That game has like such a fucking weird story. Um, oh, yeah. And like the, the rewind mechanic in it. And like, oh, my like that game is wild. That is a truly wild game. And I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I played I played Hyperlight Drifter in that game, both of those on Switch. Um Hyperlight Drifter is like this very somber experience and it reminds me so much of uh Link to the Past, which is one of my favorite Zelda games. Um and I I adored that game. It was very good. Um and then yeah, I, I played Alan Wake for the first time also fantastic game. Yeah. Like these I really don't feel like I need to talk about that much because they're older games. Uh, and I played Majora's Mask, which is a Zelda game that I always avoided because it kind of freaked me out and made me anxious. Um, oh, I but love I f- Majora's Mask. It's so good. Um, I, I think I that's my favorite it. Zelda game. You know, I, I find that people who aren't, like, majorly into the series, like, Majora's Mask is, like, their favorite game. And I think that's because, like, it... It, I think it's actually, honestly, a bit more clever than a lot of Zelda games. Because
3: it does something interesting. It does,
0: yeah. The time travel <laughs> aspect of it is super interesting. Like, I will admit that. I love Zelda games. It's Majora's Mask is not my favorite one. Like, I love Twilight Princess, but I think that Majora's Mask is incredibly smart. Um, and I think that it brought something to the series that, like, needed to exist. Um. Because, I mean, the games have always been about, like, you, you generally travel between two different dimensions. Like, every game has that. Whether it's time travel or dimensions or or whatever. Like, that's kind of a staple in the Zelda games. Um, I would argue
3: Wind Waker is the only exception.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I haven't played Wind Waker, honestly. Maybe I'll change that next year. You're on you a know. boat. Um, but, yeah, Majora's Mask, fucking great game. So, yeah, those are the games that I played this year that aren't from this year. And I love them all. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, you had some too, so I'll let you like throw yours out there real quick.
3: Last year, I talked about how Gears 5 was like a game I had a lot of fun with because I was playing with a friend. Update, still haven't finished Gears 5. Uh, the second to last act is too fucking long, but I'm <laughs> in the last act now, and I will finish it eventually. Overall, it's very okay. I'm having fun playing with my friend, though. Also, I need to mention Dark Souls 2. I've started playing it with Glenjamin and... <laughs> It's the farthest I've ever made it in a Soulsborne game. We have beat six or seven bosses. We have only died against a boss once, and that's because I accidentally rolled off a cliff. Um, it's incredible. It's a good time. Glensman's the best. He's, like, chirping me through it, but, like, in a way that he's not telling me everything I need to know. Like, he's still letting me, like, get surprised and stuff. He's just, like, kind of being a guiding hand. And it's really great. And I really am enjoying my time with it a whole lot. Uh, also Civ 6 fucking rules still. <laughs>
0: Just always count on Andrew to talk about Civ on any it's of these. It's so
3: good, and technically the uh, latest expansion came out this year, so DLC of the year, Civ six, Gathering the Storm, baby. Hmm.
0: I feel like Beyond Light people probably want to like have words with you.
3: They can eat my butt.
0: <laughs> oh well. All right. All right. Um, Speaking of games where you build shit, because I believe this game is about that, Um, like like in Civ, how you know you build up a, a an area. <laughs> I don't know, what's you are stretching? I call no, you the rubber no. band man. Damn. <laughs> I'm trying. Listen, I have recorded a lot today. I have written a lot today. I am a sleepy woman, but what I'm trying to say is so like Civilization is one of those games where you build up a fucking area. It's like a simulation type game. Yeah. Okay, you build
3: Parkasaurus. a civilization?
0: Yes, yeah. but Parkasaurus. Parkasaurus <laughs> is like a park builder. That's what I'm trying to get to, okay? It was the world's worst fucking segue, but I want Ty to talk about Parkasaurus.
3: I also want that.
0: Yeah,
1: so Monty also liked Parkasaurus. It was a game that we got code for, and it's like an indie um, like zoo tycoon, like roller coaster tycoon type deal. Um, but it's you have dinosaurs because I don't really understand this part of the lore, but there's like sentient alien dinosaurs from space that have crashed on Earth and they need your help to get back, so you have to have like. Um, complete the challenges on the map to, like, get spaceship points to, like, fix their spaceship. But then the dinosaurs that you have in the park are just, like, regular dinosaurs? Um, hmm. so I don't really get that part, but you build parks in all of these different, like, challenge maps that are, like, asking you to do different things with different parts of the mechanics of the games, But essentially, you can, like, terraform all of the, like, areas that you make to be the right environment for the different dinosaurs that you have, um, and then, like, you want people to come and, like, donate money to you for, uh, looking at your dinosaurs, and you can make, like, food stands and, like, attractions and stuff, and you're just, like, you know, doing the usual, the usual sim thing of, like, trying to, you know like win the challenge or whatever mm-hmm. um and also it's very funny because if you build your paths too close to your dinosaur enclosures and you have like the long neck dinosaurs uh they will grab people and shake them <laughs> so Let's give them a little shake yes. <laughs> no like shake quite them. a large shake walls out quite a large shake actually <laughs> also if like if you fuck up and you don't like enclose your dinosaurs all the way they'll like escape and grab people um and it's very funny
3: i mean there is a five movie series about exactly that so that does not surprise (laughs) me it's a lot more like
1: comedic
0: than jurassic park but
3: yeah i'd fucking hope so um,
0: can you imagine jurassic park as a comedy yes that's the reboot i want to write yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, Parkasaurus seemed pretty cool. Um,
3: it seems very up my alley. It's, yeah,
1: like, a very yeah. good, does. like,
0: like, when
1: you want your brain to be busy but not, like, stressed out. Like, when you just kind of want to, like, zone out while just, like, focusing on something that's, like, not a big deal.
0: It's very much like that. I am going to, because we need to hit more more games on your indie list. Can you talk about Dicey Dungeons a little bit, too? Yes. So... Dicey Dungeons, I think it originally
1: came out last year, but it very recently got a Switch port. And so it is um, basically a game show hosted by Lady Luck that is a dungeon and everybody who signs up to do it gets turned into a giant anthropomorphic dice that like reflects their personality. Um, And then they have to go through these different episodes that are all, like, different, um, roguelike dungeons. And, like, each time you play as a different character, and, like, I don't know if it's based on your progress, or if it's just that you play them, but you unlock, like, the next one. And then by playing as all five of them, you then unlock the ability to, like, get into the other episodes. Um, and so... It's basically, like, a rigged game. Like, Lady, like, fully is clearly, like, the villain and expects you to lose. Yeah. Um. And so then, like, when you're actually playing, you have, like, dice. Um. And so I think you start with two. And all of your moves are, like, you have to use your dice for them. Like, you spend dice on them. So there'll be one that's, like, oh, you can heal by, like... X number of like, like you can heal by like however much the dice value is, but like only up to three. So it's like, okay, I rolled like a two and I want to heal, so I'll put that two into the healing power and that will spend the healing power for that turn and I will heal two damage. Or like, mm-hmm. there's one where it'll be like, oh, like, I think it's like the battle axe or something, it's like you deal two X, like, whatever fucking dice you put there. So it's like, okay, cool. If I have a six, I'm gonna put that there because then I'll do 12 damage. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so, like, each of the little dice people has, like, a different way that they play. Um, And it's cool because it starts with, like, fantasy tropes. Like, you start out with a warrior and a thief, but then you get, like, a robot and an inventor and, like, a witch, but she's, like, a modern-day, like, social media witch. Um, (laughs) Me! (laughs) like like Kayla yes
0: um and like (laughs) I love that and
1: like they all play differently like the thief and the um warrior like they they are different but they're like like you kind of get like they're a little bit similar but then like the robot is totally different the inventor is totally different the witch is totally different um and like
0: it's just it's neat also I like the art Yeah, I've I've heard really good things about it. I do need to check it out, because, like, I don't remember who else talked about it, but I know that I, like, especially when it first came out, there were a lot of people talking about how fun it was.
3: Yeah, a friend of mine is, like, a huge fan of it. Like, he's obsessed with Dicey Dungeons, Um, and he's been yelling at me to play it for years, and now that it's on Switch, I think, or not years, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've had Um, my eye eye on it for a
1: while, but I wanted to wait for the Mm -hmm. Switch port, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
3: think that's going to finally make me jump into it because it seems very much up my alley. So.
0: It slaps on Switch. Uh, speaking of games on Switch, Andrew,
3: mm-hmm.
0: how is Pikmin 3? Too short. Yeah. <laughs> You beat that game very, very quickly. Yeah,
3: it's it does not take long. And, like, it's kind of built that way. It's kind of built with the idea of, hey, you can play the campaign multiple times and, like, try to just do it faster. It's almost got speed running in mind in a really weird way. Mm. Um, like, hey, try to do it in less days. Hey, try to make sure less Pikmin die. Um, have more Pikmin survive. Try to go back uh, and get more fruit. Um, like, there's, like, a ranking at the end. It's like, how many of the fruit you get? There's, like, 66 pieces of fruit. Like how many pieces of the fruit did you get? Um, and and there's also like little challenge maps that are actually really hard and really fun. And that's kind of where like more of the playability is. Like after you finish the campaign, you unlock the second half of those challenge maps, and that's what I'm working through right now. And those are really fun. Yeah, I just wish it was longer. Um, especially if it's a co-op. Uh, if you play it in co-op, I feel like it'd be a lot easier. Like I played it by myself and. It was moderately challenging at some points, um, mostly just because, like, trying to split up, um, like, my squad to do different things. Um, Whereas if you had somebody to help you, like, you could do that a lot more effectively and just really blow through the campaign, I feel like. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm really excited for Pikmin 4. At some point, it should be coming out because, like, years ago, Miyamoto said it was pretty much done and just nobody's seen it sense, so I don't know if they just scrapped it completely or what but I'm hoping with Pikmin 3 Deluxe selling hopefully a good amount this year uh it kind of gets Nintendo interested in making a Pikmin 4 because I really do love that series I think it's very charming it's it it's Nintendo at its most Nintendo it's just a very weird concept and very fun um yeah I I think that's it I just wish it was longer which I can't say for many games
0: yeah, saying, that's a very uh, uncommon request in twenty twenty. Yeah. I feel like um, games just keep getting longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna touch on If Found real quick from from my list as we as we near the end of this podcast. We still have a few more, but um, If Found is a really endearing game um, by Dream Feel. And Ty, did you ever play it? Uh, no because I didn't uh I didn't want to do feelings. So, yes, I was to say whenever we talked about it the first time, I told you like, "Oh, you should totally play this." And you were like, "Yeah, it looks really good, but I do not feel like being in my feels." And I was like, "Yep, totally valid. Get that cuz it is a very feelsy game." Um but I didn't know if you went back and you eventually did play it. But it's really good. Um the whole like, mechanic of that game is just erasing. (laughs) You just, you just shake your mouse and erase stuff. Um, and it's very therapeutic. Um, it's, it's a very, I don't know. It's, it's not like it's bleak. It's not like it's a depressing story. It, It is, but it isn't. Um, it ends in a very, like, positive optimistic way um, where it feels like everything you went through like you got to the other side and you just you just feel better and you feel like you grew um, and I don't know I, I really adored that game I feel like it's definitely worth um, playing through so shout out to that one um, and then I will go back up to you Ty because you still, you still got a few more on there um, let's talk about Nowhere Profit okay Nowhere Profit is another one where I think it
1: came out last year but it got a switch port this year and I, I got a code for it and I like, I played it and I talked about it on mixtape, like at the beginning of ish of the year. Um, and I liked it, but it's really fucking hard. Um, and so then I kind of fell off of it just cause it was beating the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> But after spending so much time on like Hades and Thronebreaker and stuff, like coming back to it, I feel like I'm a lot more literate in what it's doing and like how it works. Um, And so I still haven't beaten it on the easiest difficulty, but I have almost done so. So I'm making progress, which is exciting. And um, I didn't explain what the premise of it was. But it's like so it's a roguelike deck builder set in like kind of the post post apocalypse, um, and like you're in an area that's very like arid and deserty, um, and the character that you're playing is a prophet who like witnesses some kind of like falling star slash satellite, some kind of like tech thing fall from the sky and it, like, talks to you. Um And so based on that, like, you get followers and so, like, the run is basically just you taking your caravan through all these different areas and, like, dealing with all these different factions and stuff. Um And it's an interesting take on the apocalypse and, like, the post-apocalypse just because, like, it's... It it doesn't shy away from the fact that, like, there were going to be times when, like, violence is necessary and, like, like rough shit is going to happen. But it also, like, has a stat for, like, your altruism and it often, like, gives you options to, like, try to not fight or to try to help people. Um, And so it kind of lets you make, like, what you want of the world around you. Um, which I think is very neat in a game that is like you know mostly like roguelike card battles um, it does a lot with a little, and I think it's very neat um and I've been
0: having a lot of fun with it. You really had a genre this year, yeah I feel like you you really truly uh, did a lot of deck building. yeah,
1: I kind of started realizing i like I liked them a lot like towards the end of last year, and then I just really there's a lot that came out this year, and I just like I said, I've been eating well.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I feel like it's easy to love deck or to play a lot of deck builders this year because there's so many that are so well received and like they're really like taking up, well, not, it sounds like it's a bad thing, but taking up a lot of space. Um, like they're, they're like, hey, we're here. We're, like play us. We're good. Like we're critically acclaimed. People are talking about them. Um, so yeah, I think it's easy to eat well uh, right now if you're a deck building fan. And it's cool that you discovered that about yourself. Like, hey, this is my jam. I like this genre. Like, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so. very fun. Good for you. Happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to have you talk about The Flower Collectors right now, too. Okay. So, The, cl- blah, 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 blah.
1: the Flower Collectors is a, like, first-person um, adventure game, I guess. It's kind of – it's like an observational adventure game um, in that – so, you play as a guy named Jorge – who is a retired cop, and he retired because while he was um, doing cop shit, he got hurt and is now uh, in a wheelchair. And um, because the the game is set in 1977 Barcelona, um, and his apartment is completely inaccessible, basically, like, he is stuck in his apartment. There's no elevator. Um, so his main thing is he just kind of like in a less creepy way like Alfred Hitchcock like people watches um, Mm. and like draws and stuff and um, then like one day while he's doing that he witnesses a murder Um, Oh, yeah and so then it gets into this whole thing of like this young journalist is investigating the murder um, and the story is mostly just kind of about like the uh the revolution in spain that was happening during that time and they're like kind of like not their version of the red scare but definitely they're like cracking down on like queer folks and like leftists and like all Mm -hmm. of the shit that was happening then and like jorge has a very complicated relationship with all of that um and like it's really good and it's really interesting and i feel like it's kind of surprising because like the pitch of it, like, even looking at this Steam page, it's just, like, oh, like, Jorge's, you know, just, like, vibing, and then he witnesses a murder. But it's, like, it's a very political story. Um, but also all of the characters are, like, anthropomorphic animals, and that's just, like, never commented on. It's just, like, a fun style choice. It's very good. Um,
0: that sounds very interesting. Like, I heard literally nothing about this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, Sorry. no, it's
1: very cool. I'm glad, like... The, the devs just like sent it, and we're like, "Hey, look, check this out." And then I heard I had it in my inbox, and then I heard Austin Walker talking about it super briefly, and I was like, "Oh, I have that. I should play it." Um, and it fucking owns. It was very good. Hmm. I feel like I learned yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> it's always good. Um, Andrew,
3: What's up? I'm
0: gonna go to you. What do you want to talk about first? There's there's two left. You can pick.
3: I'll talk Crash 4. Okay. Um, Crash 4 has no right being as good as it is. No, I lied. I don't want to talk about Crash 4. I want to talk <laughs> about it at all. Fuck that. I want to talk about Astro's Playroom. Oh,
0: okay.
3: Curveball, everyone. Okay. It's on the dock.
1: Yeah, let's yeah, do it. just going off I script.
3: For... When am I not, to be completely honest? <laughs> um, Astro's Playroom... Has no right being as good as this, and I know I just like almost said that about Crash. That's what yeah, we you
1: kind of, kind of, kind of jumped the gun there, bud. I,
3: yeah, I know. It's okay. Anyway, um, Astro's Playroom. A lot of people have written it off as a, just a tech demo. Which, if you want to talk about it, like on a super surface level, yeah, you're right. It's a tech demo for the PlayStation Five and specifically the DualSense. Yeah, it is. I mean, it shows it off in a really cool way. Yeah, I would consider something like Wii Sports more of a tech demo because it's like it's just little mini games where you utilize the controller. Whereas like Astros isn't an actual like experience um, in that like it has a level structure. It has objectives collectibles like it. I I don't want to say it has a beginning, middle and end because I think that's giving it a little too much credit. But it it is it's a game. It is is a full game. Um, It takes about four to five hours to beat. So like it's not long, but that's fine um and like it's just such a cool like and like i don't like using nostalgia as a selling device um but it does nostalgia in a really cool way that like nintendo wish it would had had done it and like it tried to do during like smash brothers melee and stuff with like all the trophies and stuff but uh, astro's playroom does a walk down playstation's history in such a way that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a museum which is what a lot of uh nintendo's like attempts at that have been um with like the trophies and smash bros and stuff like that it just it feels fun like it's just it's fun to run by you know these little robots acting out different things from playstation's history and being like oh i know that is like oh that's tekken like you can tell um and like it's it's just a cool feeling especially for somebody who's like played PlayStation pretty much my entire life. Like my first system was a PlayStation One. Um it's just it was it was a really cool experience to see little things. Like I saw like the Spyro section and like the Crash section. And like I was like, oh like that those games mean something to me. Like and they're an important part of my childhood and like the games I enjoy. Like I love platformers because of Crash and Spyro and to see like them be honored by Sony was really cool and like just a little nod. And I think that does that sometimes, like, little nods like that sometimes do more for, you know, saying things and, like, appreciating a property than, like, big grandiose gestures do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it does do a really good job of showcasing the dual sense. I think it's a really cool way to do it. Um, my sister-in-law's here right now visiting for winter break, and she's like, okay, well, what should I play on the, on the PlayStation 5? And I was like, play Astro's, like, because, like, it's a really cool way to really show off the uh, the dual sense and also just like how snappy the hard drive is because like when you die in Astrobot you're like less than a second you're back it's so fast um and also like it has the best song of the year and that's the SSD song um I encourage all of you to go on YouTube and look up S-S-D- the SSD song from uh, Astro's playroom because it fucking rules that whole soundtrack's incredible um but yeah I just I promised Johnny Hayes I would talk about Astros playroom on the podcast. Uh, Because I do really think it is a legitimate contender for, like, Family Game of the Year. If you want to, like, go in, like, Game Award categories. I think it is a legitimately well-crafted and uh, well-made game that shows a lot of love and reverence for, like, Sony and PlayStation as a brand and experience. Um, Yeah. That's Astro Bot, baby. So.
1: I should play it
3: you really should especially because like you and i have talked and you're like i don't really get like the whole like uh haptic feedback and like adaptive con- like triggers thing on the dual sense and like it does such a good job showcasing that in a fun way
0: so. yeah i played it for a little bit yeah and i thought it was really cool um yeah
3: yeah you missed it I talked about the ssd song
0: Ugh, i love the ssd song
3: ssd
0: a track of the year honestly ah, that's what i'm saying um speaking of games with good music i don't know yeah um <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit very little bit because i have po- I, I have done probably six fucking podcasts about this game this year yeah. uh persona 5 royal um kayla you did you play vanilla persona i did 5? i did and then you played royal and so like what do you think about all the changes i love them
2: i mean if i'm gonna be completely honest it's been a while since i've played persona 5 royal so off the top of my head i'm not like yeah these are all the great things that happened. i love it blah, blah blah you know um but i remember enjoying like i remember enjoying my time and being like this is the same game and i've been wanting to replay this game but also there's a lot of really fun new refreshing things going on i loved A lot of the new characters that introduced to where like you could do more things um, throughout your days. I also loved the more guidance that the game gave you. Because Mm -hmm. the first time you play, if you don't have somebody who's played like giving you the lowdown or if you don't have a guide, you're going to waste so much time not doing what you should be doing in that game. So I really love the the way that they catered Royal to people who may have never played played a persona game before who don't know how to maximize their time in the game um
0: yeah i mean that was one of the biggest things like the quality of life improvements as far as like oh my gosh so much better like the time management is not nearly as fucking awful and stressful Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah it feels like you can do a lot more yeah
3: you have a lot more room to breathe Um, it doesn't feel as, like, forced organization on you, which is nice. Yeah.
2: Also, didn't they make it to where you... I I can't remember. It's been a minute. But, like, you could do another task at nighttime earlier than what you used to be. Like, in the original game, you had to, like, get... You had to, like, do something to, like, unlock it.
3: You had to get Kawakami to give you a massage if you wanted
2: to... Right. And, like, you you didn't need that this round, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. You can actually go out of... You can leave LeBlanc... And go run around, I believe. Yeah, there's something different at nighttime. Yeah, yeah, you're you absolutely right. You can
0: you can go after like your there's there's an evening option now, mm-hmm. and it helps so much. Yeah. Um, nice, yeah, but yeah. I mean, Love that. like I said, I'm not going to talk a ton on this because I feel like I mean, I just did like a three hour long spoiler cast a week ago, <laughs> so um, yeah. But good game, problematic game, good game, incredibly.
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, hey, we talked for 20 minutes about The Last of Us 2, so it's That's fine. That's true. I I love... I think the Persona games are just really fun, and I, I just love, like, JRPGs <laughs> so much, and Persona does a really good job at just yeah. doing it, doing the damn thing, and having fun yeah. characters that you you want want to like and also I will just say I know everybody was like simping for the new girl coming into the game and I didn't find her interesting at all and I I stuck with my problematic cop Makoto um, because I love Makoto so much I'm sorry that she's a cop she's not a cop her sister's a cop okay but still like a cab she's cute
0: her sister when she's evil is (laughs) a cop though
3: yeah, yeah sure. for sure.
0: No, but Kayla, you would actually like the uh, the spoiler cast we did because we basically all said the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, like the therapist, um, oh my god, his name starts with an M, but I cannot think I of it know, right now. Mara something, I can't remember his. But name you right can't now.
2: romance him because the game doesn't no. want to no, be no, no, gay. No.
0: I know. Fucking. And also, he's personal. a therapist, so that's probably bad. Yeah, but. also, he's an adult. <laughs> yeah, if they
2: let you fucking romance yeah. the teacher. They can let you romance the therapist, and he's hot, and I would romance <laughs> I just, my therapist. I simply
0: think the game should not let you fuck adults. Yes. Yeah. True. Uh, I, True. I don't know if you guys know this, but I wrote a piece about that.
3: Did you? How'd that <laughs> what? go? Uh,
0: um. But yeah, no, that game, I I really like the introduction of the therapist. But yeah, the, uh, I, once again, I cannot remember names. My mind is just, just empty. Um, we're recording this like a couple days before Christmas. So I'm just like, I'm (laughs) on holiday mode. Um, but yeah, I also did not think that the gymnast was a- Kasumi. Kasumi, yes, was a great addition. Um, yeah, she, she has literally playing. no character involvement until the very end so of the game. Yeah, the only yeah. Kasumi in yeah. video games that matters is Kasumi Goto.
1: Thank you and good night.
2: We
3: know. We know. I agree. Um, Kayla, if you like JRPGs, you should, you should play Yakuza Like a Dragon. Thanks, bye. I
2: should. I should. I should play. dollars um, on Xbox right now. I should play all the y- Yakuza games, but,
0: you know,
3: there, time, there's a lot.
0: time, eight to be, There's uh, eight. yeah. And there's also Judgment, too. uh uh-huh.
3: There's technically an online game and a mobile game, too. Damn.
0: Remember when I played two hours of Judgment and then yeeted it from my <laughs> mind? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have two more games left. Uh, we have a game from Ty. We have a game from Andrew. Which one of y'all wants to go first? Let's
3: go on a high note and let Ty go first. Yeah, that's a good call.
1: <laughs> um, <Wow. laughs> my, well, it's because my game is sad, bitch. Fuck you. Well, it can. Yeah, mine's mine's good. It can be sad. I don't know. Anyway. A Summer's End, Hong Kong 1986, is a game from Oracle and Bone that is a really, really, just, like, visually stunning um, visual novel. Um, It just, it has such a lovely art style. I have a screenshot from it as my computer background and I just love looking at it. It's so pretty. Um but also the music fucking slaps. Um and it's this very like earnest love story um set in Hong Kong. And it's, it's interesting because it strikes a balance between, like, it's not exactly a coming out story, but it is, like, dealing with, you know, coming to terms with sexuality and stuff and, like, you know, parent, parental reactions and societal reactions. But it's also very much about, like, being authentic to who you are and not necessarily in the way of, like, that means, you know, like, living as an out queer person. But, like, just you know, really assessing like okay, what are your priorities and like living the life that you need to live based on that. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just it's very touching and like earnest and I really 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 liked it a lot.
0: Was that your game of the year? I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's that's what I thought. Yeah. I do. I need need to play that one, too. I keep saying that after all of these games, but they all sound really good. But I do really want to play a Summer's End. Um, Andrew, that leaves you.
3: Yeah, baby. You're going to um, wrap us up. Ori and the Will of the Wisps um, is very good. Um, it is probably... Yeah, it's definitely my favorite Metroidvania. Um, the way that game handles both combat and locomotion as a standalone entry, but also then... Compared to uh, its predecessor, uh, *Orion: The Black Forest* is just so good. Um, the movement and combat just feel incredibly smooth and fun to play, um, and they never feel like it, it. always feels challenging, but never impossible. Um, like there's some games where you'll feel like, especially when it, like locomotion is involved. You'll feel like, oh, if you don't nail this like perfectly, you're never going to get it. And just to nail it perfectly takes an immense amount of skill. Or it never really runs into that problem. Um, and overall, it's just, it's a very fun experience. Like, it's a joy to play. And also, it's got a very touching story. Uh, speaking of stories that like have made me emotional, that's definitely one of them from this year. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I I wrote a review on it for Uppercut. You can check it out. Um, yeah. Big, big fan. So
0: I forgot that you did uh, a review of that one.
3: My first big game review, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was good. Andrews the review in. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's true. I've, I reviewed a lot this year uh, compared to any other year. So, <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. Yeah.
0: Um, and that... that- does it mm-hmm. for our game of the year round, like roundup um i'm glad that we got to talk about yakuza for monty mm-hmm. monty also really likes streets of rage uh four Stre- yeah
3: streets of rage four yeah. also absolutely like fucking ripped i never remember when it.
0: monty like
2: rolled through that entire game in one <laughs> in twitch in stream one, one, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: legend
1: i'm
2: mean, I
0: just i'm so happy like i've never watched somebody like because, like, originally she started that and she was just like, I'm just going to play for a bit. And then, like, she's like, fuck it, I'm in this. I've never watched somebody become, like, like just... That gross. Yeah, like, like live reaction, mm-hmm. just, like, watching somebody, like, choose to like, choose, choose violence. Yeah,
3: choose violence. <laughs> Literally, it's called Streets of Rage. Um, um,
0: but, yeah, no, I know Monty loved that game. It's so. a
3: very good game. I I played about uh, a third of it. And, yeah, it's a very great game. Yeah, she
0: also really game. liked, uh, liked um, games, Lucifer so. Within
1: Us and Wintermore Tactics Club. So shout out to those two mm-hmm. as well yeah for uh, sure
3: slime rancher is also incredible shout out to the true game of the year slime rancher for both monty and i yeah uh, uh the, the, the game yeah, of the yeah, year I, the of the five
1: time. ever slime
0: rancher
3: yeah truly <laughs> and it hurts me deeply and personally that none of you have bothered to try to play it
0: wow
3: i'm just speaking truths monty, wow. would, monty would agree with me monty yeah Monty would she, she'd be screaming
0: she would she so would be you right do it. if not for <laughs> me right, because right. you
3: all hate me do it for monty
0: I feel like that's, it's like the Simpsons collage, like, do it for Monty. Yeah, it's just all pictures <laughs> of <laughs> different slimes. Yeah. No, I picture, just picture of, like, Monty's nose, because Monty always takes <laughs> that, like, down. Oh, yeah, the roll. Monty yeah. selfie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we love Monty here. I miss Monty. Um, Monty is not, like, you know, I don't know. We make it sound like Monty has gone forever. We haven't formally announced forever. that she's dead yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> like, no, Monty's just, just taking a little break. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we love Monty. Um, and that that is the show. Um, ty, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? You can find
1: me on Twitter at ty underscore g and eight r's.
0: And Kayla, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at o a Kayla. And Andrew, how about you?
3: You can find me on Parler. Um...
0: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 what is that?
2: It's the
3: what super do you mean? Oh Twitter. no. It's the what? It's right like mega right wing Twitter. Oh, like they're God. all about free speech and you can say whatever you want and never get banned. I
0: hate that. I think that. you have to yeah. give them I mean, your I'm... social
1: security number.
3: <laughs> Probably. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find me on Twitter at cogs the Oil.
0: And you can find me at just just as fine over on Twitter and Instagram. Palin around is a product of Uppercut which you can find on all social media at uppercut crit and at uppercutcrit.com. If you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you just can't get enough, you can head over to patreon.com slash uppercutcrit and toss a couple of bucks our way to get it early, or even get your name read at the end of our shows, just like these folks here. Erica Scherer, Victor Mosspan, Jordan Rammy, Dale, Adam Manahan, Chris Hardigan, Jesse Vitelli, Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Adept7777, Tyler McCall, Optional Objectives, Michael Diaz Suarez, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Eric Jinn, Eli Bergmoss, Adrian Arock-Williams, Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Sean Martin, Jesse Peterson, Jared Shue, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quentin Hoffman, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you all so much for your generosity, and thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye! Bye!
3: Bye. See you 2020!
1: It's currently 2020, Andrew.
3: I know, but this is the end of the uh, the last podcast of 2020. Peace.
1: Oh, I thought you... Never mind.